You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. So the title of my message is The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. How many, how many natural senses do we have? Does anyone know? Five senses. Sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. Very good. Why did someone point at me when they said smell? No. And uh, five, we have five natural senses. Five is the number of grace in the Bible. Five, five is grace. Five is enabling. But uh, this movie came out called The Sixth Sense. And so tonight I want to talk to you about a sixth sense. So let me give you some scripture before we go there. So come with me in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. I believe the guys are going to put it up on the screen. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 says, That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Three times in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon introduces the idea or the truth that that which today is has been before, and that, w- that which will be has already been. In other words, history is on a continual repetitive cycle. The only lesson that we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. The only lesson human beings learn from history is that we unfortunately don't learn from history. Uh, A few years ago, two Harvard professors wrote a book called The Fourth Turning. The Fourth Turning. The Fourth Turning was a book where they discovered after studying 5,800 years of human activity in antiquity, that there is a distinct pattern they called a saculum. The saculum basically uh, is like a century. It's like an extended human life. And that unfortunately, what we fail to do is we fail to pass on to the next generation the lessons of the previous generation. We have fools in this nation right now tearing down monuments and statues, which whether good or bad, whether they stood for good or bad, whether they did good or bad things, they are history and become signposts for, for, for learning from. Tearing them down does not help us. We also have revisionists in our country at the moment that want to rewrite history or sanitize history. Can I just tell you, if we sanitize and rewrite it, we don't learn to it. We are doomed to repeat it. We are doomed to repeat it. Let me just say this, that, that life is, is like a, a chessboard. Life is like a chessboard. The only difference is that every generation, it's d- a different player, but the pieces are exactly the same. It's kind of like a, a Shakespeare uh, theater production. It's like a Shakespeare play. It's the same play, it's the same script, it's just different actors, it's just different participants. Unfortunately, I would love to tell you that being uh, spirit-filled will help you. And definitely there's an element to it, but this thing can only be overcome through an understanding of the Word of God. An understanding through the Word of God. Let me just explain that. In Genesis 1-3, when God said, let there be light, light was, light came on. The next verse says, and then God separated the darkness from the light. The light he called day and the darkness he called night. So it was, it was the, the injection or the introduction or the revealing of God's word that allowed, that allowed distinguishing to take place. 
that, that, that allowed us to discern between right and wrong, between good and evil, between light and darkness. People will say, well, that's a gray area. But when you introduce the Word of God, it's amazing how you begin to discover that gray is simply a combination of black and white. And you can say, well, even though you call it gray right now, this is bad, this is good, this is, this is wrong, and this is right. You can begin to discern. So as you begin to read the Scriptures, the Scriptures actually give you an advantage over everybody else in the world. Give you an advantage over everybody else. But I'm going a little bit too quick, so let me give you another Scripture. This one's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Jesus has just preached in, uh, I think it's Chorazon, and, uh, and the, the, the people are driving Him out of the town because it's, it's going to cost them to repent. They're involved in all kinds of uh, illicit and illegal activities. And so they don't want to hear the gospel because it's going to cost them personally. And so they drive Jesus and his disciples out of town. So the disciples, thinking they're helping Jesus in Luke chapter 9 verse 54, said this. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to come on fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? Like, the, you know, they're trying to impress Jesus. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Five senses, but there is a, there is a space called the sixth sense. There is a space that you and I can operate. Even though these were with disciples, Jesus says you're operating in a wrong spirit. I'd love to tell you that I know people, as soon as your spirit fills, you no longer operate in the wrong spirit. Uh, I wish that was the case. The only way, the only way you can op not operate in a wrong spirit is for you to discern, judge it, and then dismiss it from your life and make a decision. I'm not operating in that spirit. I'm going to operate in a right spirit. When David, when David in Psalm 51 repented, he said to God, renew a right spirit within me. I was in a wrong spirit. I lusted after that which wasn't mine, and then I murdered the man standing in the way. Man, I... I Created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me because I was in a wrong spirit. I was in a spirit that brought pain, that brought misery and destruction. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, verse eight, 18 to 20, says, To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, your patience. And as for the works, the, the last are more than the first, which is a good thing. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Now, here's the thing. Jezebel had died about 750 years earlier. The person died, but that spirit was still living on. That spirit was still occupying people, was still occupying people's space. Uh, Newton's laws, Isaac Newton's law, third law of uh, physics says for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So the Bible helps us to understand the forces that are in play. The Bible, if you will, is, is, is an imprint. It's more, it more, it more than just captures history. You'll hear people who are skeptics 
at least kind of concede, well, the Bible's a book of history. The Bible's a great historical text. You need to understand, while she does contain history, she ain't just a historical text. You, you, you better believe it is the immutable, immovable, unfallible word of the living God. And what the Bible does is, is it captures these moments so that you and I can read about a Saul. You and I can read about a David. You and I can read about a Joseph. You and I can read about a Potiphar. You and I can read about these people and we can see the choices that they made with their lives. We can see the spirit they operated in and then we can read and follow through and go, my God, that's not the ending I want for my life. And then we can back up to here and say, you know what, God, I repent right now. I'm not gonna walk in that spirit Instead, I'm going to walk. I'm going to let my sixth sense be, be occupied and dominated in a spirit that is a right spirit and a spirit that pleases God. Can somebody say amen? amen? Speaking of Saul, many times I've found that probably one of, one of the, 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 the biggest battles for me has been to, to continually keep at bay a spirit of Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. He was the first king. He was before David. And unfortunately, Saul one day became very, very upset with David. David had just killed Goliath, Saul solved Saul's biggest problem. Saul's like, what do we do with this 10-foot giant? Nobody wants to find him. And all of a sudden, someone comes into the, into the, uh, into the palace, your highness. And he's like, yes, rise, what is it? I found someone who's willing to fight, finally. Finally, someone with enough courage to fight him. Who is it? Um, it's the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, he, he's, he writes poetry, <laughs> plays a harp. And he's like, I don't believe I'm hearing this. Bring him in. And they bring him in. And it's David. And he says, you're not able, you're just a youth. And David tells him the story of the lions and the bears. And so Saul's got, man, we've got no one else that'll volunteer. So you got, and so David kills Goliath. There was shouting in Israel, the Bible says, that day. There was great victory. In fact, the, the Israelites found their courage and pursued the Philistines, and there was a great slaughter because David took out their champion. Saul, on his way home, decides to turn on the radio. And as he's listening to the radio, a song comes on, a brand new song, climbing the charts of the top 40. This one's destined to be number one, people. And the maidens were singing, Saul has slain his thousands. Well, he turns it up. Well, well a little exaggerated, but thank you. Slain my thousands. Did you hear that? And then it keeps going. But David, what? His tens of thousands. The Bible says Saul became so indignant. They only described to me thousands and to him tens of thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Well, that was the whole point. The whole point was Samuel anointed him to be the next king. But Saul didn't want there to be a next king outside of his lineage. He, he liked this king thing. And so the Bible says he eyed David suspiciously from that day. Jealousy filled his heart. In fact, the Bible says a tormenting spirit came onto Saul. Not only did a tormenting spirit come on Saul, but he began to throw spears at David so that he drove David out. The, the young man that just solved his biggest problem, the young man that just slayed the giant, the young man that God, the same God that elevated Saul, the same 
this same God that was elevating there, Saul could have gone down in history as the greatest coach, as the greatest champion. We could be today be doing seminars on, on how to be a Saul and raise giant slaying next generation people, how to give giant flat sayers platform. But instead, Saul goes down as somebody who out of his own insecurity, he had to be the one in the pulpit. He had to be the one occupying the spotlight. He had to be the one in the headlines. He had to be the one that, that was the highest. He had to be the one that was elevated. And I've had people over the years and they don't realize, but that sixth sense, that, that spirit trying to say, hey, you know, you're such a great preacher. Why, why do you have other people preach? Why do you, you man, aren't you afraid that if, if people hear them preach that, they, that they'll leave? What, 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 if, what, if, what if they get a following? What if they become a better preacher than you and then people start following them and then they go and they start their own church? And, and I'm like, good? Like the whole point is uh, if I have to, now watch this, watch this. Watch this. We were there in Engedi where David hid in the caves of Adullam. The Bible says that David's family came to him and about 400 men came to David in the caves of Adullam. These men were in despair, they were in debt, and they were discontented. And they came to David. If you keep reading, it says they were from the tribe of Benjamin, which was Saul's tribe. Watch this. Because Saul allowed jealousy and insecurity and to be threatened, because he allowed that to come into his heart, he operated in a spirit that put a ceiling down so that he didn't just drive out David, the giant slayer. He drove out these 400 men. And you may say, well, hang on. Who cares if you lose some people in debt, despair and discontent? High maintenance anyway. But hang on, hang on, hang on. They come to David in the case of Adullam. And within just 18 months, these are the men who can throw the spear with the right hand and with the left. These are the guys where, where you've got Jashabim the Hachmanite, the father of the Scotsman. Jashabim the Hachmanite. And the Bible says he lifted up his spear against 300 whom he slew in one battle. One man against 300 and he took them all down. Stood there as he slew the last one and says, is there any more? I was only getting warmed up here. The Bible says there was a guy called Dodo the Ahohite, where there was a field full of lentils or barley. They, didn't, they weren't even sure. But I mean, who protects a field of lentils? Unless you're a vegan, no one's going to protect lentils. But the Bible says that, that Eliezer, the son of Dodo the Ahohite, positioned himself. All Israel fled, abandoned him, and he stands, and the Philistines are coming to take this field. And he's like, I don't care whether there's lentils. I don't care whether there's wheat. I ain't giving you one iota. It's not about what's in the field. It's about the principle. I ain't giving the devil one inch. I ain't giving the devil 1%. You ain't getting any territory. And he pulls out his sword, and the Bible says, because he's, he alone stationed himself in that field and, and, and fought with his sword against an entire army of the Philistines, the Lord brought about a great victory. And at the end of the day, they had to pry his fingers because his hand cleaved to the sword. They had to pry his hand open to get the sword out. God brought an incredible victory. Then there's another guy called Benaiah. Benaiah, on a snowy day where the tracks are covered, doesn't see that quite often what they would do to trap animals and wild animals and bears and lions is, is that they, they would put a, a dig a hole and then they would cover it with, with branches and leaves and, and now there's snow on top of it and he doesn't realize all of a sudden he steps and, whoosh, and he 
slides down into the bottom of a pit only to around the corner come these two yellow eyes and it's a lion. He's fallen into a pit on a snowy day and a lion is staring him down. Only one is going to get out alive. And the Bible says that Benaiah rose up and killed the lion and got out of the pit with the carcass of the lion. The Bible says this same Benaiah took on a nine-foot Egyptian, a giant Egyptian, and there was no weapon in Benaiah's hand, but he wrested the spear off the Egyptian and killed him with his own spear. These were the men who Saul had. They were in his tribe. They were at his disposal. But because... Because he let insecurity, because he was threatened, because he had to be, he so lowered the bar that literally he drove these. I don't want to go to stand before God and I'm guilty of driving out strength. I'm guilty of driving out giant slayers. I made a decision. In my sixth sense, I'm going to be a David. I'm not going to be a Saul. Come on, if you believe that, give God a shout. Two quick scriptures and then we'll get into the message. I only finished one point today as well. There's a little caveat. I'm, it's, I'm very naughty again. I don't know why. All right, have a look at this. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Just, just in case you're a little bit skeptical. I don't believe in this sixth sense stuff. All right, just have a look. It says, now we have received not. Come on, somebody. We have received not the spirit of this world, which tells me there's a spirit of this world because we haven't received it. But we've received the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So do you know everybody has a sixth sense? Everybody has a gap there. Everybody has a God-shaped hole. Everybody has a spiritual dimension. But you've got to choose what spirit you fill that sixth sense with. What spirit? Paul says here, we haven't received the Spirit of this world we, but we've received the Spirit of God so we can know the things that God has freely given to us in Christ Jesus. Have a look at Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. It says, And you and I, He made alive, who were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which we once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Watch this. The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So here we see the Apostle Paul talking about not just the prince of this world, but the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, I don't want to go anywhere near Lucifer. There's a whole bunch of people. I don't want their spirit operating in my life. I want the spirit, that sixth dimension, I want God. I want the spirit that brings glory to God. Can somebody say amen? All right. So can I give you a few of these before time runs out? Number one, number one is the spirit of Cain. The spirit of Cain, the very, very first spirit that I see prevalent, especially right now in America. Right now, you know, obviously next year is an election year, so you're going to see two sides. The spirit of Cain dominates one of those sides. Dominates one of those sides. So I'm not going to tell you which side. You can figure that out for yourself, and you can cast your aspersions or your blame, whichever way you, you like. My job is just to show you what the Scriptures say. So the spirit of Cain, who is Cain? Cain is the firstborn of Adam and Eve. The Bible says that there are twin boys, Cain and Abel, and... When they got to a place of maturity, both of them brought an offering to God. The Bible says that Cain 
who worked the ground brought some of the, some of the fruit from the ground. He brought some of the fruit from the ground and said, there you go, knock yourself out. And <laughs> the Bible says, but Abel, says, but Abel bought a firstling from the flock and he brought it and he sacrificed the little lamb. The Bible says that God accepted Abel and his offering, but rejected Cain and his offering. You're going to have to do better than just give me some leftovers from the ground. These are not the droids I'm looking for. He can go about his way, move along. Now, a lot of people find this very indignant. If you have a spirit of Cain in you, you're going to be very, very mad right now that I'm sharing this. Because the spirit of Cain right now will be saying, Why? God should just accept whatever we give him. Who does he think he is? He actually thinks he's God. He actually, believe it or not, believe it or not, it's going to sound crazy. He's at, his self-esteem is actually intact. He actually doesn't need your worship to feel good. Gabriel, turn the worship up. I'm feeling low. That's better. Hallelujah. Oh, now I feel like God again. He actually, he actually don't. He don't need your worship as much as you need to worship. Worship don't benefit him so much as it worships you. Everybody worships, but not everybody worships God. Are the, are the guy throwing dollar bills at the stripper? He's worshiping. That's not going to help his life, but he's still worshiping. Everybody worships. Don't tell me atheist worship. You talk to any atheist, they're well, I believe in science. Oh, really? The word science means knowing. You believe in knowing. Wonderful. What, what are you knowing? Well, I, I, I believe you can't measure it in a test tube. You can't measure the wind in a test tube. There's a lot of things you can't measure in a test tube. But anyway, and so they, 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 they worship stuff. They, they, everybody worships. See, what God was saying to Cain is, son, if I accept this, I love you too much to accept you bringing me leftovers. Because if you just give God what is left over, you will always be miserable. You'll always be aching, lonely, and searching because seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. Cain, Genesis 3, I curse the ground. How arrogant of you, Cain, to say, hey, I know God, you curse the ground, but my effort can overcome the curse. That's, that's like me saying, hey, I don't need Jesus. The curse of sin, I can overcome through my own labor, through my own efforts. I can make my own. If I, if I could by focusing, if I could by religious study, if I could by religious ritual and dogma earn my way into heaven, Jesus would never have needed to die. All he would have had to do was come down and show the way, but there is no, uh, there is no way for a human being to in himself produce a righteousness and overcome sin. So God says to Cain, you cannot in your strength produce something that turns what I have cursed into blessing. Abel knows no matter what I bring, no matter what I bring, no matter what I produce. So I have to bring something that I didn't produce and it, it's innocent life, it's innocent blood must be shed. And the Bible says that God blessed Abel. It's a prophetic picture because Abel comes from two Hebrew roots, Ab, which is father, and El, God. And it's a prophetic picture that Cain would murder the father God who brings a lamb to sacrifice in order to be right and blessed by God. It's a prophetic picture.
But the Bible says that after this happens, God blessed Abel, but didn't bless Cain. The God then comes knocking on Cain's door. Son, are you okay? And, and he says, why are you mad? Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Even now sin crouches at the door. Its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Instead of Cain saying, you're right, God, forgive me. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to learn from my little brother. Pride and arrogance filled his heart. I'm not going to do what's right. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to smite and strike the one with the blessing of God. That'll make me feel better. This happens all the time. We, we see persecution. Someone's got the blessing of God. Darlene Check, who's coming to minister at, at uh, our um, Cherish conference. I remember uh, she was in a really, really busy season. Busy season. And... Uh, she got on a plane and they, they had upgraded her to business class. And so she's sitting in a business seat. Literally when she lands, she's got to go straight to the church for rehearsals. And then she's got three nights in a row where she's got to lead the worship at this massive event. And so she's flying and a lady gets on the plane and walks past Darlene Check and sees her in business class and steps back and goes, business class, business class, that's it. I'm never buying a Hillsong album again, business class. And went back down to and sat in economy. That's called the spirit of Cain. The spirit of Cain, the spirit of Cain can do what is right. If you do what is right, will you not be blessed? Like, do you really think that God is a respecter of persons? Or that Darlene stole something that wasn't hers? I know Darlene. Michael W. Smith, who was probably the number one selling Christian artist in the 90s. Amy Grant in the 80s. Uh, Michael W. Smith in the 90s basically had an album lined up to do where him and Darlene were, were, were going to lead all the songs. But the weekend that finally got put onto the calendar, Pastor Brian got an invitation to be away ministering in South Africa. And so Pastor Brian was going to, so Darlene called Michael W. Smith and said, unfortunately, I can't make it. He said, no, 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 no you don't understand. Of course you can make it. The studio's booked, everything. We had to book almost a year in advance. She goes, no, no, you don't understand. I'm Pastor Brian's worship leader. And when he's away, he needs all the strength to rise up. I can't be away when he's, when he's away. We've got to lift everything up because nothing's more important than Sunday services. Michael W. Smith, sweetheart, you, you don't understand. You're going to make seven figures from one, th one weekend where for the next two or three days, we're going to be recording songs. You will make seven figures. Darlene responds, you don't understand. When my senior pastor's away, I need to make sure that Sunday services are strong. No wonder God blesses this woman. No wonder God has elevated this woman's voice to go all over the earth. But watch what a spirit of Cain does. A spirit of Cain sees the blessing and immediately becomes envy and immediately lures into the field and immediately smites and strikes the blessing. God says to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not also be blessed? In what happens is Cain kills Abel 
and he smites him, he strikes him down, and now it's seven times harder. I've seen people with the spirit of Cain. You don't want to operate in a spirit of Cain because you reinforce a poverty mentality. You rail, and there's a spirit in our country right now that tries to get you to curse the rich. And watch this, the very freaking hypocrites who are telling you about the 1% and the Wall Street people are the very ones schmoozing to them. Some of these people who are crying socialism own three homes and they fly everywhere in private jets. They just don't tell you that. And they're hypocrites, but they, they, want, they want to attack and smite people who are doing the right thing, who are working hard, who, who, are, who are operating in kingdom principles and receiving the blessing of God. Don't operate in the spirit of Cain because it becomes seven times harder. That, that woman, do you think that would, listen to me. God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for her, he'll do it for you. God is a respecter of principles. The difference between Australia and America, Dr. Matt, unfortunately. Uh, the difference between Australia and America is because we, we both came out of England. You probably know that. America 1776, Australia 1778. So you're our big brother by two years. But the difference is they sent their convicts to Australia. They come, that's why we, we call everyone mate because we were all in the prison cells together. And so... so you, you, may have been, you may have been an attorney and I may have been a, uh, a petty thief, but we're in the same cell. We're in the same penal colony. We're in the same. So we level the playing field. We call everyone mate. And so the highest attribute in Australia is mateship. If you tell an Aussie, oh, mate, you're not going to believe it. Mate, a million bucks. An Aussie would go, oh, mate, well, you put your hand in the till, did you? If you tell, if you tell, isn't that true, Caroline? Isn't that true? If you tell, if you tell an Aussie, oh, mate, I made a million bucks. Oh, yeah, that's Caroline. Shout, yeah, she's loaded. Apparently, you know that, that's the Aussie mindset. In America, in America, if you tell somebody I made a million dollars in America, they'd be saying, oh, good for you. Hey, if I give you a thousand dollars a month, will you coach me? Will you show me how to do it? Man, I got a heart for. In America, we rejoice. America is so blessed because America doesn't have the spirit of Cain. And that doesn't mean that you can't have it because there, there are gatekeepers in positions of authority trying to bring it. Never, when you see somebody blessed, never judge, never judge somebody's life by their harvest. Always understand if, that, if, that, if that's their harvest, man, they must have sowed some seed. Because the Bible says, while the earth remains, summer and winter, night, day, hot, cold, seed time and harvest will not cease. When you see somebody enter into their harvest, rejoice. Rejoice in their harvest. I found, you know, I found there's, there's just something broken in me. And it's not just me. Jesus identified all of us. He says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. I don't know what's wrong with me. Dr. Matt, sometimes someone will say, oh, did you hear this pastor? Oh, yeah, they, 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 they're going backwards. They just lost 500 people. And I should be, oh, that's terrible. But on the inside, I'm like, really? Tell me more. We haven't lost any. We're growing. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm In my heart, I'm rejoicing while they're weeping. And then when, when they're rejoicing, and did you hear that? Oh, they bought a building and they grew to 100,000 people. Compromising the gospel. They're probably watering it down. 
like, what is wrong with me? I rejoice when people weep and I weep when people rejoice. And then I realize there's a sixth sense that my, 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 my sinful nature wants to say, hey, 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 put Cain in here. <laughs> Let Cain have at it at the controls. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. Whoa, whoa, I've, 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 I've seen this. I've, I've seen how this plays out. He was banished. The ground became seven times harder. He had to have a mark on his head. Let someone finding him. Can't. That's not what I want. So I'm going to make a decision that I'll rejoice with those who rejoice. And I'm going to weep with those who weep because, because the same God that blessed them is the same God that can bless me. The same God that elevated them is the same God that can elevate me. The same God that put His favour on them is the same God that can put His favour on me because God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. If God will do it for them, He'll do it for me. Come on, we're out of time. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.